Hey, we're grateful that you're with us again. We pray we're a blessing. It's always our prayer with you. And uh, thanks for tuning in with us. We're Today we're going to be help ha handling the fact that uh, God knows. And sometimes uh, I think we forget that. We need a reminder, especially in a discipleship culture. We need that reminder as we disciple other people as well, that he is with us and that he knows. And then we're going to give you a challenge about guarding your heart. We're going to begin with Job 34, 21. Uh, passage many of y'all may have read in the life of Job. Let me read it to you. It says, For his eyes watch over a man's ways, and he observes all his steps. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation, if you prompt me with it, I do want to be obedient to speak to it. And then you, you look at all of us. There are a lot of people watching and listening, but you look, you look at all of us. Even in line with today's sermon, you see us, you know us. Uh, but Lord, you look at me differently because I'm a teacher of your word. I'm your preacher. And with me is a greater and a more strict judgment. And I know that, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. So in the name of Jesus that I pray, his name that I preach. Amen. Uh, in Job 34, 21, it says the, the, for his, the God's eyes, they watch over all of our ways and they observe all of our steps. Um, I need to remind you as you're being discipled and maturing in Christ, remember we make disciples, we mature believers, and then we multiply ministries, that um, you need to be reminded that he is with you. And sometimes in the the reminder that he is with us, we forget that he watches us. And I, I want to give that, I want to give that little bit of a reminder to you today, uh, even in the Great Commission, when he tells us to go make disciples out of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and to observe all things that he has taught them. Uh, he says he will be with us even to the end of the age. Uh, you need to be reminded that he's with us, but he being with us means that he watches us. And this needs to be a constant truth of your life. He's watching and he knows. Uh, we uh, refer to this as the omniscience or the, uh, of, of God himself. He's omniscient, meaning he's, he's absolutely all-knowing. I'm not dealing with this discipleship principle today to make you afraid. It's not my intent. It's just to make you aware. So let's go through some passages in the Gospels where... Um, the Lord is encountering people and he's perceiving their minds. He's perceiving them. Uh, he knows in advance and he knows the situation and he knows the people. And we're going to find these in the gospel of John. Um, John chapter two, verses 23 and 25. Uh, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many trusted in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. Jesus, however, would not entrust himself to them since, look at this phrase, he knew them all. He knew them all. I don't mean know them like it's a small town and he knew them all. He knew them. He was able to perceive their hearts and their minds. And because he did not need anyone to testify about man, for he himself knew what was in man. He knows, he, he knows us inside and out. He knows us. Uh, John 2, we're talking about the, the miracle that he did of turning the water into wine at the wedding of Cana. 
and uh, they are amazed by what he is doing. They're amazed by his ability to be able to do that. I think you and I would be too. I am. I wasn't even there. I'm amazed at what happened with that. Uh, and uh, they believed in him, but their belief in him was not an all-in, was not a I'm an all-in belief in him. They're, they're believing in him because they saw him do something extraordinary or even supernatural. You may believe in the existence of Jesus historically and factually, that he lived and historically what he did was true. But I have to ask you the question, have you ever surrendered to a resurrected Jesus? Uh, I remember in seminary, we had to battle with the Jesus of history and then bridge that over to the Christ of our faith today. And uh, you can believe in him historically and factually. There's a lot of people say, yeah, he, he, he lived, he did, he did these things, but they've never trusted him as savior as a resurrected Jesus. Uh, I want you to look in John two. He didn't trust these people. He did not entrust himself to them. Uh, and then we read in the, the bottom part of verse 24, he knows man thoroughly. He knows us. Listen, here, here's, here's a first challenge. Understanding that he's with us and that he oversees and watches us um, and he knows us inside and out. I want him to be able to trust you and me. Uh, and I want him to know that we incredibly trust him. That's the first challenge. He knows us, but when he, when he does see us, may he know that we that he can trust us and that we trust him. John chapter one, verse 45 and 50. Uh, I really love this story about Philip and Nathaniel. And uh, it's a, it becomes a beautiful story. Just let me read it to you in the text. Uh, Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And so did the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And so Nathan responds, or Nathaniel responds, can anything good come out of, of Nazareth? Nathan asked him. And Philip gave the invitation and answered, come and see. And that's the invitation we always want to give anybody else. Then Jesus saw, now we, we, we go away from Philip and Nathaniel. And then Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said to him, look at this all-knowing stuff here. It's, it's remarkable. He says about Nathaniel, and he's never had a conversation with Nathaniel yet. Here is a true Israelite. No deceit is in him. Uh, How do you know me, Nathaniel asked. Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Did you see that? Let me say that to you again. Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Rabbi, Nathaniel replied, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus responded to him like, you know, you hadn't seen anything yet, but this is how he said it. Do you believe only because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than, than these. The call of Nathaniel and then uh, where Philip is, is working on him and inviting him to come and see. And Jesus saw him before he met. And uh, I believe this about the Trinity, about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, and remember the passages that we've handled before in the Gospels, where's the Father who sees us in secret will reward us. So the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they're all watching us. Uh, it, it, it could be that uh, our hearts could be so tainted it takes all three uh, to be able to see us. They're all, uh, the, 
the omniscience of God. He is all-knowing. And in in the passage of Nathaniel, he finds no deceit in him. What is deceit? Deceit means you're lying. (laughs) It means that you're misrepresenting the truth. And you'll be doing it most of the time as an attempt for your advantage. And I want you to know he's perceived by Jesus automatically as having a clean heart. He's already seen as having a heart where there is no deceit in him at all. Uh, I want him to know that about us, that there's no deceit. There's no misrepresentation of the truth here. And yet he, he does know. He knows whether we are or we aren't. I, I just When he says that there is no deceit in him, I want you to see the depth of, of how Jesus looked into the life of um, Nathaniel when um, he tells us he doesn't look on the outward appearance of man, he looks upon the heart. Uh, I want you to be able to see and notice how, how deeply Jesus can peer and look into each of our lives. He, he, he saw him under the fig tree long before they ever met. Um, another one of all knowing is, is a story most of you know of the woman at the well, and it's John chapter four, verses 16 through 19. Um, let me uh, let me let me read it to you. It says, uh, Jesus says, "Go call your husband." He told her, "And come back here." And she responded, "I don't have a husband." And Jesus said, "You you have answered. You have you have correctly said or answered. I don't have a husband." And Jesus goes on looking into her life, for you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman responds, Sir, the woman replied, I see that you that you are a prophet. I want you to look and see that he knew the reality and the truth of her relationships. He's able to look deeply into her life. He knows and he watches over us and he knows the conditions of our hearts and our minds. And then look in John 4, 29 and 30, which is the same story of the, the woman at the well. She, she understands him to be Savior uh, and beginning to understand that he's the Christ. And look at verses 29 and 30 of chapter 4. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Did you hear that passage? Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. I, there, there had to be more conversation and maybe what is recorded. Could this be the Messiah? They left They left the town and made their way to him. She had gone into town, told them about who she had encountered in Jesus and was bringing the town back to her. I just want you to know he knows. Does he walk with us? He does walk with us. But And, and we hang on to that. But know that he knows our lives he, he knows all. He, he knows where we are. He knows what we need. And he knows where we need to be in our lives. Sometimes as a pastor and a leader, uh, you know, pe- pe- people can have um, disagreement, be disgruntled with anything. My, they can be that way with my leadership. Please understand that's, that I've known that for 34 years. If you want to know the truth, being a preacher's kid, I've known it for almost 61 years. But the, the, here, here's the deal that I've gotten to in my older life. Wrapping my, my leadership around what we're handling today is, you know, to some people, I just want to say, do you know where you need to be? 
And they'll look at me and go, yeah. I said, well, then get there. I mean, we can take basically any situation in life. Do you know where you need to be? Do you know where the right way to react is? Well, then react that way. Do you know what, Do you know where you need to be in your spiritual life? Even physically. Uh, I, there are places I didn't need to be, and I just had to physically remove myself from those places. And I just say to myself sometimes in, in counseling or just in conversation, when they're questioning direction, do you know where you need to be? And they're like, yeah. I said, well, then tell me that. And they'll tell me, I said, well, then get there. He knows. He knows where we are. He knows what we need, and he knows exactly where we need to be physically, spiritually, and emotionally. He knows that. Another passage of him knowing is the feeding of the 5,000. And it's in John, it's in John chapter 6. And in John chapter 6, he is, uh, he, he, he's perceiving the thoughts of these people, verses 14 and 15. When the people saw the sign that he did, he fed the 5,000 with the with the fish and the loaves. Um, when they saw the sign he had done, they said, this really is the prophet. And it'd get my attention, just like it would yours, of him feeding that many people and with so little and bringing back so many basketfuls. This really is the prophet who was, who was to come in the, into the world. Therefore, when Jesus knew they were about to come and take him, he, let me tell you something, he knew the crowd. He didn't just know one person in the crowd. He knew what the crowd was getting ready to do because he knew them. He could perceive that uh, by force to make him. He withdrew again to the mountain by himself. He was able to perceive their thoughts. What's this principle we need to know? You need to know that he walks with you, but you need to know he watches your steps and he knows. He knows our lives. Look at John chapter 6. In uh, verse 64, um, this is a time where his teachings were difficult and uh, people were not receptive. In fact, some who said they believed walked away and, and, and then he looked at the 12 that were his that he had called and said, are you going to leave me too? But this is the crux of it. Let's look at John chapter 6, verse 64. But there are some among you who don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who would not believe and the one who would betray him. He, this is his omniscience. He's all knowing. And what I want to tell you out of this, he knows who's all in. He knows who is in surrender and he knows those who are just nothing but talk. He knows who has all in faith with him. Um, look at John 10, 14. In John chapter 10, 14, this is the passage about the good shepherd. And that's what he says in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep. I know. And they know me. What, what have I wanted to do here with you? I just want you to know, yes, he's with you. Let that be a constant reminder, but also be a constant reminder as you mature, as a, as a, as a, as a believer, and you disciple other people, that he's, he's watching my life. When nobody else is, he's watching my life. I'm okay with that uh, because we have surrendered to him. He's Lord over all of my life. And being Lord over all of my life gives him every right 
to be able to peer into every part of my life. Now, the challenge I want to give you and finish up with, the first is he's walking with you and I want you to just know that he knows. He knows if you're truth, he knows if you're fake, he knows if you're all in, he knows if you're just if you're just mouthing it and saying the right stuff. He knows. As he peered into the heart of Nathaniel, he saw that there was no deceit in him. Uh, I pray that he finds that in us as well. Now, the second challenge I want to give you is realize where he does look upon us. He looks on our heart. You remember when Samuel was anointing the kings? He went to the house of Jesse, looked at the sons. One son he really looked at and thought, man, this is probably him. And God gave him instruction. Don't look on the outward appearance of man because I, I God, look upon, I look upon the heart. Uh, Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10, give us a picture from Scripture about our hearts. It says, The heart is devious above all else. It is perverse. Uh, Who can understand it? I, the Lord, test the mind and search the heart to give to all according to their ways, according to the fruit of their doings. Um, I don't want to misrepresent the truth. I don't want him to find deceit in any of our hearts, yours and mine. Um, And again, he knows and he looks upon our hearts to see who we really, really, really love. Uh, I want to bring that into a a truth here in an understanding. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 23 through 27. Listen to these instructions. Guard your heart above all else. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the source, it is the wellspring of life. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly. And the picture here in verse 24 there is whatever's in the heart is going to come out your mouth, whatever is there. And don't let your lips talk deviously, which has to do with deceit that we've been talking about that he didn't find in 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 Nathaniel. Let your eyes look forward, fix your gaze straight ahead, carefully consider the path of your feet, and uh, all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. Don't detour. Fix your eyes on the Lord is what he's really trying to say. And he says, guard your heart. And the word guard here means take custody of it, And an even greater picture in Philippians 4 is let the Lord take custody of it. Let him guard your heart and even your mind. I love to read Warren Wiersbe. He's a a scholar of old, but he has a lot of simplicity, and I love simplicity. And he he was talking about uh, about your heart. Look what he said. He said, whatever the heart loves... The ears will hear and the eyes will see. Let me repeat that. Whatever the heart loves, the ears will hear and the heart will see. Uh, He said this about his own family, and that is when he drove with his kids, that his children would look for ice cream shops and toy stores. And uh, and, uh, then he said, I have to admit, I look for bookstores. Whatever the heart loves, the ears will hear and the eyes will see. Guard your hearts. Second Chronicles 16, 9. It says, The eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro, ranging over the whole earth to strengthen those whose heart is true to him. This is about Asa, a king that started off faithful but didn't end up that way. Uh, he's looking for a loyal, loyal heart. 
And may he find that no matter where we are, may he find that our hearts are loyal to him. I want to finish off with a, a verse that I got from an old hymn that many of you all will know that I grew up with. And it's about him being with us and him knowing who we are and what we need. It's a song called Have Faith in God. Listen to this. Have faith in God when your pathway is lonely. Look at this line. Listen to it. He sees and knows all the way you have trod, which is in line with the scripture of Job. Never alone are the least of his children. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Guard your heart. Let he seize your life no matter where it is. May he find your heart loyal because he's with us and he's watching us. May he find you loyal even today. May he see that. What do we say to each other? Remember, I love you, and we say this, grace and peace, and thanks for being with us today.